Welcome to Superior Central Library's podcast, your place for stories, poetry, messages from your teacher, and announcements from your library. Good morning, everybody. Today is Thursday, May 7th, and after a couple days of technical difficulty on my end, we are back. So welcome back, and I'm sorry I missed a couple days. Today is Book Talk Thursday, so I have a book talk for you, um, as well as a sample of one of the new books at our Superior Central Library. I hope you enjoy. talk today comes from second grade Emma and Emma found a book that she not only loved the storyline of but she loved one of the real life characters and so her book talk combines a little bit about the book and a little bit about this real woman here it goes the magic tree house is a book series about seven-year-old and eight-year-old named Jack and Annie they time travel the main characters are Jack and Annie Jack and Annie are special because they have a magic tree house. When they point to a picture in a book and wish they could go there, they go back in time to that place. This book is about the Civil War and time travel. The tree house actually belonged to Morgan Le Fay. Morgan is King Arthur's sister. Camelot is in trouble and Jack and Annie have to find four types of writing to break the spell. They have one type of writing, so they have to find three more types of writing. When they got to the battlefield, they met Clara Barton and helped her with wounded soldiers. Clara was a famous Civil War nurse. One of the men was named John and looked a lot like Jack. He was his great-great-great-grandfather. The men ate potatoes and bread. It was a really bad war. The Civil War was the worst American war. The Union and the South were fighting about slaves' rights. The Union wanted to have no slaves at all for everyone to be free, and the Confederate soldiers wanted to have their own country with slaves. I loved this book because it was about history and war, and I think the best part is when Jack and Annie find out that John was their great-great-great-grandfather. I recommend this book to all second-grade students. Thanks, Emma, for your great words, and I agree. Magic Treehouse is awesome. Today we're going to do something a little different. Instead of reading a storybook, I'm going to read you the first little bit of a chapter book. Before the school closed, we had just gotten a shipment of books in for March's reading month, going with our One School, One Book book theme. Kids, if you remember, we were reading the book Writing Freedom, and so we got some books in about women's rights to vote and suffragists, and books about horses, and then a bunch of books written by Pam Munoz-Ryan, who was the author of Writing Freedom. 
And because school was closing, I happened to grab a few to bring to my house to read. And so the one I'm reading right now is called Echo by Pam Munoz Ryan. And do you hear my bird? She's very busy this morning. Echo uh, is one of those books when you go into the library and you want a really thick book, but you don't want a lot of words. It's a great book for that because the font is so big on the page. There's not a lot of words for a page, which is great. And when you first look at Echo, something you might notice is the pages are different colors. Some are regular white pages, but some are black. And in these first couple chapters, you'll find out why. Here we go. Echo by Pam Munoz Ryan. 50 years before the war to end all wars, a boy played hide and seek with his friends in a pear orchard bordered by a dark forest. Mathilda, who was it, sat on a boulder, buried her head against her knees, and began to count to 100. The boy hurried away, determined to stay hidden longer than all the others, hoping to impress Mathilda. Her lilting voice intrigued him. Even now, as she counted, her words sounded sing-song. 36, 37, 38, 39. Although it was strictly forbidden, the boy ran into the forest to hide. Every few yards, he looked back to make sure he could still see the pear orchard behind him. When it was nothing more than a speck in his view, he sat against a tree trunk within a cluster of pines. From far away, he heard Mathilda's faint call. Here I come, ready or not. The boy, boy smiled, thinking about the moment he would waltz back to home base triumphant. He would have to be patient, though, for it would take time for everyone to be rooted from their hiding spots. He pulled a book from his waistband, one of the two things he had brought that, bought that very morning from a gypsy for a fenning. He ran his fingers over the title embossed on the leather cover. The 13th Harmonica of Otto Messenger. He had not been able to resist the purchase, especially with such a peculiar coincidence. The title held his name, Otto. He opened the book and began to read. All right, boys and girls, now the pages turn black. And anytime the pages are black, it's the story that Otto is reading. Here we go. It's called A Witch. A kiss, a prophecy. Once, long before enchantment was eclipsed by doubt, an anxious and desperate king awaited the birth of his first child. As it was written, the king's eldest would inherit the kingdom, but only if the child was a son. If the firstborn was a daughter, the monarchy would someday pass to the king's younger brother, his most ardent rival. Alas, the queen delivered a girl. But the king was devious. Moments after the birth, he whisked the infant away and ordered the loyal midwife to take it deep into the forest and leave it there for the animals. He forbade the midwife to speak of it ever again. Then the king told the queen and his subjects that the baby had not survived being born. The kind-hearted midwife hiked into the woods, knowing she could never abandon the child. As she pushed through the brambles and climbed over logs, she sang lullabies to the wide-eyed infant. When she stopped singing, the baby wailed. 
Time and again, the midwife obliged, humming and crooning until she reached her destination, a tumble-down cottage that belonged to her cousin, a selfish and lazy witch. Will you please take this child, begged the midwife. You already have goats for milk, and someday she might sweep the hearth for you. I suppose, said the witch, I will call her Ennis. The midwife thought it cruel to give a baby a number instead of a name, for she knew it was far better fate than becoming breakfast for the bears. So she kissed the small bundle and whispered the one gift she could bestow, a prophecy. Your fate is not yet sealed. Even in the darkest night, a star will shine, a bell will chime, and a path will be revealed. She spat on the ground to secure the fortune and left the child with the witch and fled. Within two years, the queen delivered another daughter. The king gave the same instructions to the midwife who stole to the forest singing all the while, for this baby too would only be consoled with song. At the cottage, the midwife beseeched the witch again. Won't you take this child? Someday she might gather wood for you. I suppose, said the witch. I will call her Zai. Another number for a name. It seemed a false start, but still far better than becoming lunch for wolves. The midwife kissed the baby and whispered the prophecy again. Your fate is not yet sealed. Even in the darkest night, a star will shine, a bell will chime, and a path will be revealed. She spat on the ground to secure the fortune, left the child with the witch, and fled. Two years passed, and yet another baby girl was born. Three daughters, one after another. The king repeated the same deception, and the midwife dutifully traipsed into the forest, serenading all the while, for the infant's only solace, like her sister's, was a song. When the midwife reached the cottage, she implored the witch to keep this baby too. Someday she might stoke the fire for you. I suppose, said the witch, I will call her Dry. Thus I can remember who was first, second, and third. She held up her fingers, ticking them off one after another. Eins, Zai, Dry. Again, the midwife foresaw a bleak life ahead for the nameless child, yet one far better than becoming dinner for a wild boar, and she would have her sisters for companions. Eins and Zvai were already in service to the witch, toting small bundles of kindling and rushed to the midwife's side to meet their sister. The midwife looked from the witch's hovel to the dirty, uncomfortable waifs already cooing at the infant in her arms. She kissed the baby and whispered, your fate is not yet sealed. Even in the darkest night, a star will shine, a bell will chime, and a path will be revealed. She spat at the ground to secure the fortune, left the child with the witch, and fled. At last, a month past a year later, the queen delivered a boy. The king happily proclaimed that his first child had been born, a son, Throughout the kingdom, church bells rang in celebration for the heir to the throne, who would one day become king. We are switching back to the white pages, back to the story of Otto. Otto looked up from the book. He had been so absorbed in the story, he'd forgotten about the hide-and-seek game. 
The forest had become cold and windy. The trees rustled and swayed and Otto shivered and looked towards a pear orchard, straining to hear his friends in the distance. Had he missed the call, Ali Ali Oxen Free? The signal for the others who were still hiding to finally show themselves? He stood to leave, tucking the book in his waistband. Suddenly, a gust lifted the cap from his head and Otto spun around until he caught it. He peered between the trees, but he had lost sight of the pear orchard. Otto wandered for hours. He yelled, but the wind grew stronger and muffled his calls. His mind raced with all that he had heard about the woods, the dripstone caves inhabited by trolls, dangerous precipices that dropped into witches' lairs, mud bogs that swallowed children in one giant slurp, not to mention the perils of bears and wolves and wild boars. He rushed from tree to tree, searching for the way out. In his panic, he tripped over a berm of twisted roots and fell, and the world swirled. Minutes or hours later, he wasn't sure. He sat up, touched his forehead, and felt a bump the size of an egg. Frightened, he covered his face with his hands and began to cry. Between sobs, he heard a trio of voices. This way, come closer. We will help you. Otto raised his head to see who spoke, but saw only the fluttering of shadows through the trees. Whimpering, he stood, taking hesitant steps until he came upon a procession of fir trees that formed an immense circle. He slid between the trunks and found himself in a clearing. Three young women, dressed in tattered dresses, stood before him, the first a head taller than the second, who was a head taller than the third. They talked all at once. <gasps> at long last, a visitor. Hello, boy, you poor thing. You must be weary. Oh, dear, you've hurt your head. Sit down and rest. Slowly, Otto sat down on a tree stump. Who, who are you? Do not be afraid. You are safe with us. I am Eins, said the tallest. And these are my sisters, Zvi and Dry. Otto pulled the book out and stared at it. But you couldn't be. Those are the characters from the story. It must be our story then, said Ines. Perchance, does it have a happily ever after? Asked Vi, winging her hands. Dry pointed at the book. Might you read it to us so we may know our providence? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where I'm stopping you. This book was called Echo. It will be at Superior Central's library in the fall, and it is by Pam Munoz Ryan. That's all for today. Get out and enjoy that sunshine before it turns cold tomorrow. Have a great day, guys. <laughs>